Welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 186. This episode is another hashtag cancel this. Five things we hate about the cigar industry. This is our cigar publication edition. And you may be wondering to yourselves, hey, Corey, isn't the Hot Ticket Weekly Hot Ticket Podcast a cigar publication? And you would be right. You would be correct. Yes, we are. And throughout this episode, we actually talk about ourselves a few times. So, should be interesting for those who uh, choose to listen to this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Are you all right? Almost. Are you going to live? Okay. Can you make it through like a solid 50 minutes? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did they give you painkillers at all? Like, did nope. you get any? That Seriously? What are you in, like, a regimen of, like, Advil or something? Like, what? Do they not give you anything at all? <sighs> no, I mean, they just say take, like, pain meds, but just be careful with blood thinning and stuff like that. Because, like, most of those are, like, blood thinners. Dude, I have so much Vicodin. Like, I have... Percocets, I have like pill form of Dilaudid, Vicodins. I think I have like eight or nine bottles of different shit. <sighs> I could, I could literally, you'll, you, I could make it to where you wouldn't feel that pain at all. It's just a real deep ache. Yeah, of course. I mean, so think if you think about it, someone clipped and tugged on your ball bag for like 20 <laughs> minutes straight. So could you imagine someone like, flipping and t- and I'm sure I bet it's less the incision and more than like moving stuff around like that's usually what does it is like it's just the movement like of things. the like the pain of needles going in my ball sack right, and, right, right. and the tugging and pressure that was fine but when it started clicking into my head exactly what they were doing to my nut sack and yeah. that my Zen's deferens or whatever the fuck they're called or yeah. outside my body is the minute I started <laughs> to black out and I was telling the doctor I was like listen man I'm gonna go out and he's like, he's like, that's okay. You're safe on the table. I'll be here when you wake up. <laughs> Literally what he said. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, at least he's a cool doctor and had a bit of a sense of humor. Also, yeah. I'm sure that he's dealt with that so many times. Um, yeah. By the way, turn your gain down just to scotch. Okay, scotch is done. Yeah, that sounds much better. That was uh, That was painfully loud there for a second. Um, all right. So we're on, uh, we're on limited time, which is okay because we don't have a review today. Decided to do something a little bit different, especially on the outside of 2020s, like top lists, um, which are now published by anybody and everybody. I mean, even at the consumer level, people with, you know, decent sized Instagram accounts are like, Hey, I'm going to publish my own thing and here's my blog post and here's my WordPress and blah, blah, blah. Right. So so yeah. many publications that are rating numerous amounts of scars in the industry and of course it all being somewhat subjective but what i wanted to talk about was you know it's it's one thing it's one thing to especially at one time you had like maybe a few really notable um cigar publications and now there's a lot right in different forms of media so you have like a cigar aficionado that owns the space of magazine publication you have Half Wheel, who really kind of dominates the online presence. You have us and some others that are uh, more in alignment of the podcast segment and video segment, right? So there's like all these different medians 
that uh, have been created for people to kind of create some exposure around their publications. So I wanted to talk about five things that we hate about cigar publications, which, by the way, I'm throwing this out here now because I thought about this already, because someone in question would go, well, aren't you guys, in a sense, a publication? Yeah, we are. So we may be talking about the things that we hate about ourselves, essentially. We, we are public. We are public. Um, so And Asian. <laughs> Arcasian? Publication? We're, call, oh. we're public Caucasian. Caucasian. Right. Yeah. I wonder why they call white people Caucasian. I don't know. Where'd that come from? I mean, everything's like a derivative of Latin at some point, so it's gotta be it's gotta be that. By the way, do you like my La Galara shirt? I do like it. Dude, I think the bright colors just like La Galera. La Galera. That's how you would say it phonetically. Um, so I wanted to get into this subject because it's one I've been thinking about and I solicited just some thoughts people like on Instagram got a lot of feedback in terms of what people really thought about certain publications and a lot of it without directly saying um, the names you could kind of tell in just the context that they provided like which ones they uh, which ones they hate don't admire and so on and so forth so we'll talk about it we're going to use some names it's going to come out um, but I would say let's just get into it we'll hop right in um, and this of course again is five things we hate about cigar publications um, number one, and I think this is, and these are in no particular order, this is something that Chris and I have made fun of since probably the beginning of us really kind of coming on to the cigar scene via this podcast, and that is what we call unicorn palette. And what is unicorn palette definitionally? Unicorn palette is essentially those folks that are out there um, that smoke a cigar and are able to derive flavors that like, quite simply cannot create relevance to a consumer. Um, they're like these real descriptive adjectives that are used. Um, that it's it's almost overly descriptive again, to where you can't you can't really create any sort of uh, relevance to most people. Like most people go, wait, what? Um, I've heard like spoiled taco meat. I've heard um, like uh, what what was one that I saw not too long ago? It was like like rhubarb pie mixed with something else, and I'm going. What in the fuck are like? I don't even know what at? rhubarb is. I don't know what a rhubarb tastes like at all. I've never is had that, rhubarb pie. I've never is that had what rhubarb. they put in concrete? Yeah, rhubarb. Exactly. You're talking about those big giant s- steel things. Yeah. What are those called? Aren't those called rhubarbs? Those may be called rhubarbs. They actually legitimately. What are those called? Uh. The things that they said were. No way a plane that crashed into the Trade Center. No way those things were going to buckle. Um, there's no way that the jet fuel could heat them up to cause that kind of damage. What are those things called? Rebar? Rebarb? Is it rebarb? Maybe it is rebarb. Maybe it's not barb at all. <laughs> there, may be not be, there may not be a rue or a barb element to at all what we're thinking about. I don't about, know. But, but I think I you may know. be right, and I'm too lazy to look it up. Um, but anyway, so the whole unicorn palette thing that exists with, and I would say this is kind of across the board in most publications, you really see a lot of people, um, I would say creating certain descriptors or adjectives that are, I think not really directly related to what they're experiencing. And it's more just, I don't know what you call it. Like, what do you call that, Chris? It's like, um, 
it's almost like putting something out there like that is it's almost like a, an experiential thing with that particular person. Like, look at these things that I found present in this cigar, almost like this weird, like, um, expertise, if you will. Like, it's like that kind of palatability just, I think doesn't, Let's it doesn't align itself with real fucking crux of it. All right. Right. What they're saying is I'm better than you. That's kind of what it's like, isn't it? That's kind of what I wanted to say. It's like, I, I know exactly what this thing is supposed to be, and it it kind of elevates their status in cigars. I get that feeling from a lot of publications. Like, I can experience these things, and I'm telling you exactly what I experience, but you probably won't get the same things because you're just not at this level yet. Listen, who's got a publication that speaks about cigars on the daily? Me or you? And the answer is me. Yep. Because you're a nobody piece of shit without yeah. a publication. You don't so you best know listen shit. to everything I got to say. Yeah, you don't know shit. And I would say this. This isn't like um, this isn't like a one-off scenario of people using these kinds of descriptors. You know, spoiled taco meat. Um, a lot of things where it's like, wait, have you tasted that before? Like if someone says like, oh, it tastes like bits of... It tastes like a slathering of manure with bits of, bits of blueberries. And I'm like, at what point in your life do you, you have you had each of those to kind of create that connection um, from a flavor perspective? It doesn't make sense. But it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not to single out one publication. It's spread across the board. There's so many people who articulate their thoughts and feelings in terms of flavor profiles in that manner. It's literally all across the board. And this was one, this what we call unicorn palette. This is one of which I gained a lot of feedback from consumers on Instagram, people who follow us and go, yeah, you know, these weird, crazy descriptors, it's, it doesn't, like, it doesn't make sense. And they've, they felt that it just doesn't make the experience authentic. And, uh, I I was like, yeah, you know, a lot of it is just kind of a little verbose (coughs) and, and, and really doesn't create a good connection to the consumer at all in any way, shape or form. So it's gotta be what you suggested, Chris. I think it's gotta be like this weird complex thing where it's like, I know, more about this subject and topic than you, and here's how I'm going to put it out into the ether. Hey, you want to sound even smarter publications? Do it in a British accent. Like us Americans are dummy dumbs. right When you say shit in a fucking a, a British accent, you already sound way smarter than us. So Cheerio. you can get away with calling shit rhubarb pie or some t- type of apple pie, or, and yeah. you can also maybe pull out bits of human shit. Human shit goes into a lot of these cigars. And you got to say it with kind of a tone that is confident but calm. Well, it's you've like, seen you've seen the manure ones before, right? Like you've, yeah. you've had to read ones where people are saying like, oh, there's this hint of like, sh- you know, strong manure. It's, and I'm like. When you take a hit, it's, uh, you get subtle notes of um, barnyard. Um, maybe. That's a popular s- one. Southeast. Um, bull or some type of buffalo, um, and it's it seems like it's more maybe two years old. It's not quite an adult, but it's it's a buffalo that is is maturing, maybe slightly still mm-hmm. adolescent. But you can kind of get the notes of what type of buffalo goes into that cigar. You know, it's really strange. Is you sounded just like Lewis Capaldi when you were <laughs> saying that that like really ugly British singer. Who I love to death because he's hilarious. You sounded just like him. It was really straight. He's a little bit thicker. He's got a little bit of that. Oh, 
you didn't have as much of that but yeah it was very similar and you being close to the mic it sounded like it was like spot on <laughs> that was great beautiful but that's you, what beautiful you want to be you want to be a pretentious prick who thinks you get shit out of a cigar that other people don't right just say it in a british accent and say it confidently yeah here's the thing it all goes away. i'm not i'm still not gonna believe you because yeah. i'm not a dumb dumb but I'm sure there's still people that do like believe you. I do agree with you that if you say something in an accent, it certainly changes it. It, ta- yeah. it almost it, it like warps the context. And speaking of, you just said pretentiousness, and that's our uh, topic number two is pretentiousness around cigar publications. Now, this is one that I don't think is super widespread. There's a few magazine publications and some other publications, and even some podcasts where there is that element of pretentiousness. And I'm certain, you know, certain people stay in certain lanes, and and I'm not I'm not necessarily faulting to a degree that there's a pretentious lifestyle thing that you're creating connections to cigars because it's been created for a long period of time. I think what you do as a publication though is that you just limit your audience. And I would I would say that a cigar aficionado would suggest that that doesn't occur because cigar aficionado is such a massive publication, but I'm going to cite them as an example of one that does have kind of a pretentiousness to it, right? They have like Rolex advertisements. They've got these uh, Maserati type advertisements and here's this yacht you can buy for $2 million. But what you could argue on behalf of Cigar Aficionado is like, clearly they're doing something right. Someone's paying for those ads and they're they're paying for those ad spots and they're probably paying a premium for them. And of course, their audience as a whole, even if it's a magazine publication, even if it's probably f- the majority of their audience is probably 50 and older that's getting those magazine publications you still can't deny the success that they've garnered as a result of the things they've done for a long period of time. I just think there's a bit of a miss as you kind of morph into new generations where there's less to be desired in terms of um, the materialistic part of it, that association, and more just of like the experience as a whole. I think as you continue moving forward, those things are going to be more of a miss. The Rolex ads and the pretentious part about it, the fancy clothing. I think that stuff will start to erode. Listen, here's the thing, all right? We talk pretentious, right, in SCAR publications. What they need to understand, these people on top of Mount Olympus in the cigar industry, right? These pretentious gods, if you will. They think they're gods, that they dictate all and that men will follow and bow to them. But what they have to understand is but, that they're the 1%. Right. All right. They're the rest of us 99%. We're the ones that bow and cater to their will. But what they need to understand is, is at any moment we can strip away that power. We can pull that power away from them hmm. if we want to. How do we do that, Corey? Boycotting. Tea party. Uh, cigar burnings. Uh, um, this sounds like some weird V for Vendetta shit. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It, it takes a revolution, if you will, to just uproot all the evil that has taken hold from the 1%. Or, and it will take or- all of us can't we just wait for the baby boomer generation to die off? <laughs> I mean, if we're being real, it's not going to take that long. <laughs> what is Cigar Aficionado going to do without 55 and up? <laughs> like, <laughs> there goes your audience. They're all gone. They're, maybe they've that, passed maybe away. That's it. 
Maybe this is a patience game. It's just a bait. We just wait it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I would argue if we wait it out, then we're going to be in the same situation. You know, come that same time, people are going to be looking at us and like, they got to go. They're old. <laughs> There's like a whole new VR media into cigar smoking and like true actual virtual lounges, which don't think I haven't thought about. Um, that that's going to be like the new thing. And we're just going to be on the outside end on a fucking podcast and be like podcast podcasts are so 2020. And then we're like, fuck, <laughs> we're missing the boat on something like completely different. Yeah. So there's that too. So maybe we should just kill them off. Maybe we should, maybe we should put our stake in the ground and just let's, let's uh, create a revolution. Dude, I'm telling you, we could totally get masks. Like, I'll make a bunch. I'll make thousands of donger masks, so no one can tell who we are, and we'll wear capes, and we'll 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 walk the streets of of cigar fishing. Which I which I guess is just their parking lot, but we'll all show up into that single parking <laughs> lot, all um, like fifty thousand of us uh, from across the nation of cigar smokers, and we will sit there and watch as me and you. Uh, we devised some type of underground rail system uh, from these old abandoned carts and we will fill them with explosives and then we will uh, we will go on this train and we will go underneath the building and then blow it up into a sp- spectacular fireworks display for our following as the revolution commences and a new era begins for cigar smokers. Uh, is there any part of this scenario that Natalie Portman is walking with us? Dude, if Natalie Portman would join our cause, <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, that would be sweet. Um, yeah, I'm if glad. she shaves her head too, and we call her the donger, and we paint her brown. Oh, that's not gonna be good. Can't paint her brown. But uh, yeah, we can't do we, blackface. <laughs> not on Natalie Portman. But if we shave her, maybe, and then make her look like a cigar, we'll put a band on her to cover up her nip bits, and. Uh, yeah, we'll send her out there, and she'd be a spokesperson. Yeah, she'd be great at that. Natalie Portman is always and still remains in my top five. Yeah, she's pretty. She's great, and she's smart, too, which is even hotter. Um, all right, let's move on to number three. Again, these are in no particular order. Cigar publications that cannot take counter-criticism. Now, here's this. I like this. This is an interesting topic because I've seen this before, and it doesn't happen that often that it's public facing. Um, but you know, there are times of which I feel, um, certain brands say it's a cigar publication that, uh, does a review on a cigar, right? Performs and conducts a review on a cigar, publishes a score. Maybe that score isn't favorable in terms of the eyes of the manufacturer. The manufacturer comes back and basically starts, uh, some sort of online battle or war with the publication stating, Hey, no, this is a good cigar. You're just fucking stupid. Um, I've seen this and this does occur. I've been waiting for it to happen to us and it hasn't. Um, but I, I, I thought for sure with the CAO vision, we were, <laughs> we were about to get something. Um, and it, and it hasn't happened, not to that degree, but I've certainly seen it out in the industry before. And it's, I think at a heightened level with publications like half wheel and cigar aficionados that are, that are much larger and things that they put out there. 
um, and just the way they, they express things oftentimes can't take the counter criticism of the manufacturers who are defending their position and defending the blends of their cigars. So it's one thing that actually kind of irks me a little bit because if you are going to be, and I take this responsibility and I know you take this responsibility, if we're going to take the time and we're going to devote our effort into reviewing and breaking down these cigars and giving our honest opinions about them, we better be prepared for, I don't want to say backlash, but a counter argument to what we put out there, right? People's experiences from a consumer perspective, or again, even in defense of manufacturers and certain brands. We have to, as somebody who is taking the responsibility of putting these cigar reviews out there, we have to be open to other people's opinions, whether we agree with them or don't agree with them. And I've seen some publications kind of cower and hide from that counter criticism and they're not really open to having a conversation. And I've seen others that would just go in and battle and battle to the degree where it be- no longer becomes a conversation about the cigar. It just ends up turning into like personal attacks. Bickering. Yeah. yeah. But, but it, you, d- you discredit, right? Yeah. You basically take someone's argument and to invalidate that argument, you discredit them. Yeah. And some of it happens in a, in a very aggressive manner. I mean, I've it's seen like, stuff. How before. can you follow this person? He fucks his cat. Exactly. Personal attacks, propaganda right? machine. Right. It's like he wanted to cut the tax that middle-class pay to their local communities by 1%, but you can't believe a word he says cause he fucks his cat. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you discredit, you go, you personal attacks. That's the only way to do it. But yeah, you should be open to criticism. I mean, I feel like, I feel like you take the position of Ben Shapiro for our Instagram, because uh, we just say what we say. But you're usually the one that counter retorts if there's someone that does say something that you just don't agree with, which is perfectly acceptable. It's social yeah. media. We post stuff because it's information that we're sharing. And that is part of the system. Like yeah. when you put something out into the ether of the internet for everyone to see and then someone sees it, but then you don't want someone to respond. It's like, don't post anything to begin with, but right. we are about sharing information. So it's kind of like you have to take the bad with the good. Yeah, of course. And sometimes you get a little bit of that bad and you need to be able to accept it like a big boy or cower and hide and not just post anything at all. Right. If that's how it makes you feel. So, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's how I, that's exactly how I feel about those sorts of scenarios, right? Like if I would say if the day comes and I'm sure the day will come at some point where we will get some of that counter criticism and people, you know, there may be a brand that's defending themselves or people that are defending a brand and say, what the fuck do you guys know? And usually the way that I handle situations like that, even if they're to like a more mild degree where someone may just disagree and I'm like, Hey man, like everyone's got their opinion and I'm happy I think the difference is, I was like, I'm happy to hear what other people have to say because I'm genuinely interested in people's experiences around cigars that may differ from ours. Like, what did you get that I didn't get? What did you smoke and what was present here that I just didn't understand or didn't get the same of? And what is your, you know, what's the subjectivity around your experience versus mine? A lot of places are not willing to have those conversations. They don't even want to get into the dialogue where I'm, I like to warm, I warm up and welcome that dialogue to a high degree because I want to understand what people's thoughts are around stuff. I remember when me and you smoked cigar, same fucking cigar from the same batch and we're, and we're smoking it and you're like, what do you think? And I was like, I fucking love it. 
And you're like, I don't know. It's not that great. And I was like, well, we have the same cigar. And he's like, well, well, then you were like, well, I don't know. Like what makes yours different than mine? If you love it so much, I thought we had the same kind of taste and flavors and right. cigars, but yours is way better than mine. Like what makes yours different, Chris? And I was like, aha, mine tastes better because I had sex before I smoked this. That's probably it. And sometimes, you know, you just got to. Like the, there's a certain mood that makes it yeah. that makes it more palatable or gives you a different experience, you like, know, and, and you know, it's, it's weird too, because like same cigar that you could smoke once and smoke it again and have such a variance of opinions based upon certain environmental conditions and so on. We've talked about that many, many times on the podcast, you know, do you smoke it first or maybe it's the one that you have later in the day? And how does that differ? Or maybe you're smoking it in this particular environment instead of this particular environment. And what does that mean for it? Um, what did you eat before? And so on and so forth. Um, I just think it's one of those things in terms of like the criticism itself, that if you are going to be as a publication, essentially in many aspects, criticizing what is being made and produced by these brands and manufacturers, you better be able to fucking take the counter criticism. You, yeah. it, you're, it's owed to you. You should be open to that. And it is owed to you. If you're going to put this and broadcast your thoughts and feelings out there, you should expect some sort of response or retort from the collective community. Period. Hey, when you when you say the cap structure on XYZ brand cigar is messy and they come back and say, well, your grammar is messy. You got to be able to accept it for what it is. Yeah, because both would be true because there are some cap structures that <laughs> suck and my grammar is also atrocious. <laughs> and then and then that's when I go, touche. <laughs> you aren't not correct. Yeah. Um, that leads me into topic number four, and that is brand bias. This is a difficult one. I even find this to be challenging um, because what happens is, is that over time, you begin to build relationships with certain people that you admire to a very high degree. And often those relationships could make what you do from a review perspective cloudy. Um, and it does happen. We've seen it happen with other publications. I can't say that it hasn't happened with us. But one of the things Chris and I try to do is that we really... and. I think this is one, and actually Steve Saka, weirdly enough, is the one that suggested this about our particular podcast. He put something out on Facebook and he goes, I've really been listening to The Hot Ticket um, recently a lot because of this factor. He said, whether I agree with them or don't agree with them, they're completely authentic in what they say. Because even though we may have a relationship with someone, if it is a cigar that I truly don't like, I have no problem saying it. You know, it's, you, you know, it's going to come like, you know, the, the, the moment's going to come where the owner of that manufacturer goes, dude, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, and reaches out and goes, or, or, uh, in a difference of that may say shit, like, you know, I'm sorry, the fucking construction was bad. Let me send you some samples. I, you know, that fucking sucks. Like, you know, and some of them kind of taken in stride and I'm sure, you know, this is something that they, they get all the time, but it's, I think in many instances with publications across the board, I know other publications besides us, you, you kind of struggle with it a little bit because you start to become, you build good relationships with these people and you end up becoming friends and you don't want to criticize something if something's not good or, or palatable um, in your opinion. But I think that's the distinction is like, it's your opinion, right? Like the one thing I always say is, well, you're doing something right because everybody loves it. You know, I'll use the example of like the La Colosseum 
which I know I didn't score high. You didn't score it super favorably. I didn't either. But the collective cigar community fucking loves that cigar. It flew off the shelves and continues to fly off the shelves. It just, from a power perspective, didn't really hit with us. Um, And I had no problem going out and expressing that to our collective audience. It just, and we have a great relationship with John at, at Crown Head. So it's, it's not a personal thing. It's, this is just a subjective opinion. This is how we process this particular thing. And this is how we reviewed this particular cigar. And here's how it landed with us. But I think the real litmus test on the success of a cigar in its most basic form is how fast is it flying off the shelf? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I always say like, well, you're fucking doing something right. Especially if you get that counter argument. It's like, well, you're doing something right because you fucking, you're killing it with this cigar. It's just, we're just maybe one or two opinions, you know, in the whole fucking, you know, system of reviewers that said, hey, this is, this isn't for us. Yeah, which which maybe, happens with a lot of you know, cigars. Maybe there's softer ways to say it, right? But, you know, bottom line, be like, hey, Mark. He'd be like, wait, hey, it's Marcus. Uh, what do you think about that new cigar? I'm like, ah, don't like it. Not at all. But still love you, bro. Still love you. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, that's. Not, I mean, that's, isn't that kind of what it is, though? It's like, yeah. that's that's what it is. That's the whole, that's the whole fucking game is like. It has nothing to do with a person in particular or what the brand represents. It's just that particular experience, you know? Yeah. And I've, I think, I think part, I think part of the challenge too, though, is as like someone who loves to review cigars and, and I think we're fortunate enough, the fact that we get to do it and people actually pay attention, um, is that even through that process, you, your opinion and the different differentiating opinions of other people kind of create this blended opinion that exists out there. So I guess it's, I guess in some form it's a little less, it's a little less aggressive. Um, but I will say we don't try to be overly aggressive about it. If I really don't like a cigar, I will go hard in the fucking paint at it. Reference to CEO vision 2020. If there's something I don't like that is an atrocious cigar, I have no problem going hard in the paint. But if it's a cigar that, let's just say, hey, it just wasn't my thing, it was just not appetizing enough, we're usually pretty good about being tactful in our approach to what we write and what we say. Um, so that you can express the cigar without being like overly damning about it. So there's also that balance as well. But um, I, I know brand biases exist with other publications. It's very clear um, with even some of the biggest that exist out there. Um, and I think that's, I, I, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not like, I'm not demonizing any of these publications for, you know, relationships they've built and they're probably walking a tightrope sometimes. Um, but what I will say is that like, I, I understand the challenge, but you got to do the best that you can. Um, because that's what you owe to your audience. Your audience is why you get to continue doing these things. You owe it to your audience to be honest and authentic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, money, 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 money. Yeah. That brings you want, me, that you brings want me friends in your life. Give them money. Give them money. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's what rich people do, right? Yeah. You gotta like, like I want pay friends. For friends. Yeah. Hey you, LeBron James, be my friend. I won't do anything unless it gives me a contract to Nike or Adidas. I can do that. Money. Here's money. Money. Be my friend. Um, so that brings me to the next one. These perfect segues. 
Uh, pay to play and pay to place. Now, this is a subject that is, um, and and this this is definitely one that struck a chord with a lot of the people that responded to my question. What do you hate about cigar publications? This was probably the number one I think recognized. Uh, problem in our industry in particular with one publication and I don't really need to name names but you know who they are Um, I think this year was a year that kind of really represented more so than other years although it was understood and known I think this year just kind of proved it I think there's too much evidence to support that this is exactly what goes on in this particular publication and again the subject is pay to play and pay to place and pay to play is all right, so how much do I have to pay to be recognized by this publication that has a lot of influence? And then there's the pay to place, which I added towards the end of that. And that is, let's say you are, uh, you've submitted a cigar for a publication to win Cigar of the Year. What does that mean in terms of if you are the number one rated cigar and you knew ahead of time that you're going to be the number one rated cigar? There's got to be an element of monetary gain that exists there that allows that to be possible. So that's what I mean by pay to place. And and I think this has really, it's kind of weird because it's understood, it's known. This year, I think, was probably proven. Um, there's a strong connection that suggests that these things exist. I'm like wondering in this year how much people are going to align themselves with what let's say a publication like Cigar Aficionado puts out in their top list in 2021. You know what? Let's even think about it from the brand's perspective. You know what this is like? How do you feel when you get on a plane, all right, and you got a ticket and coach, and you see those bastards, those fucking bastards, get into seating, seat, you know, uh, group one, and those motherfuckers get on the plane in the very front, in the comfiest of seats, getting served all trip long on that fucking flight. You want food? Here you go. And you're like sitting back there and coaching like, I want what they have, but I can't fucking afford that. I can't do that all the time. That's craziness. Like think about it from the brand's perspective. You're a legit good person. Probably better than all those pricks up there in, in first class. And you're sitting back there with a man that's taken up two and a half seats because he refuses to lose weight. He smells like shit. And you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, what makes those fuckers better than me? And they're sitting up there in their comfy seats that are spaced out two feet apart. I mean, think about it from the brand's perspective in this industry. Chris, it's, it's unfair. T- it's tough for me to think about because I only fly first class. <gasps> Sorry. Dude, I'm bougie. <laughs> I'm a bougie bitch. <laughs> I only fly first class, man. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Um, no, I see what you're saying. But, I mean, obviously, the acceptance there is that people do have more money and they pay for those things. I think I think what is different in this scenario is, like, how much are you going to pay me for these seats? Not that there's... So, here's the difference. When you fly first class, there's a published price for first class. Right? Yeah. So if you are buying a plane ticket, here's your coach price, here's your first class price, and you get to make the dictation of how much you want to spend for that. What you are suggesting is perhaps if you're going to fly on a plane that it ends up being a bidding war. Who's willing to pay me to fly first class? 
as opposed to here's your published pricing for first class. Sure. So sure. person X, person Y, there's one seat left. Who's going to pay me more? Sure. I think that's the difference. Well, I and think I, the point is there's only so many seats, right? There's only, there's only so, so many seats. seats. And you know, yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of strange because I've said this before, especially with like Cigar Aficionado and the top 25 that they publish. I'm like, if you want to understand the best cigars of Cigar Aficionado, look in the bottom 15. The bottom 15 usually represent like the actual really good cigars that are submitted. And coach. typically in the top 10, coach, <laughs> typically in the top 10 are the ones that um, where you get a sense that there's that pay to play or pay to place kind of element. Um, there And there's some real good cigars that make it into their listing every single year. But then I look at it and I think the rest of the industry does too. And, and, and there's two things that you can suggest. One, hey, Cigar Aficionado, you're not smoking enough. There's not enough represented here. And we know that their process is submittal process. So maybe even some of the best cigars don't even make it an entry because people simply don't want to pay to get them in there. Um, but I think the other element too is, is like what what could it potentially mean for cigar aficionado in the industry if a big powerhouse wins number one? Because if you look at it every single year, it's a big powerhouse that wins number one every single time. And I think you and I would both argue some of the best cigars that have ever been created in this industry have nothing to do with Arturo Fuente, have nothing to do with Rocky Patel, have nothing to do with Alec Bradley, have nothing to do with CAO, have nothing to do with these giant brands. They're other smaller brands or other smaller manufacturers that are creating some really good stuff with a high level of craftsmanship that never even get recognized in these publications. You know what it is? It's like, I'm just throwing out names just based on just some, you know, just as examples, but like Rocky Patel's first class, right? Maybe, maybe they're even flying private, right? Right. Uh, but then in coach, you got like people like Tatawahe, you know, they got like Latelier and uh, Latelier is how I like to say it and a bunch of other sub brands. Right. And then and then you have people that just can't afford to fly right. and they got a fucking like, well, kids, it's time to buckle up in the minivan because yeah. we're heading to Florida. Yeah. Or it's like, get on that Greyhound and we're taking the bus. That's true. And it's going to take us 16 hours, but by God, we're going to make it. <laughs> and it's like, there's so many brands in the Greyhound level or like the caravan level where there's just multiple vehicles because oh, there's, there's too a, many people and not enough seats. There's tons. That like those people are so underappreciated in these publications because they can't afford to fly. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll see them make it into, like, I keep using Cigar Aficionado as the example, but you could take Half Wheel as a large publication, too. It's like, you'll see those guys sprinkled in to, like, the everyday reviews or, like, here's what we reviewed for this week or here's what we reviewed for the month. And they could garner some pretty high scores. But it's more often yeah. than not that um, they, be, they, they tend to stay hidden, which is... Which is kind of strange because I think the lane that we often kind of thrive and exist in are in those cigars, like the more hidden gems. And we yeah. review, we try to review everything, especially if it's a new cigar that's coming onto the market. We're really trying to get fast to those and get those out as quickly as we can so we can put out an opinion for people who are consumers that are genuinely interested in something that hasn't got any write-ups on it yet. 
Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we're also concentrating on some of those brands that don't get as much recognition, that don't get as much, that don't have as much clout in the industry yet as some of the really large main brand manufacturers. So we call them RVers. All right. We call them the RVers. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a weird thing to, to know that it exists, but to continue putting, uh, time and attention into it. Like cigar fishing out of publication. It's like, I guess the the more that I read it ends up just being like, well, does my opinion align itself with that of cigar aficionados? Not anymore. Um, not that I'm more educated about what's on the marketplace and have spent a lot of time in the recent five or six years getting a better understanding of cigars as a whole and how the industry works. But I could certainly say that at one time, you know, as a consumer, that publication meant everything to me. You know what I mean? I was a subscriber to Scar Aficionado for years, and I was genuinely interested every time a publication came out outside of the top 25, like what has been reviewed? What's the thing on the market that these guys are telling me this publication is telling me that is good? So a lot is put into it, and a lot of it is still um, very relevant to the consumer. I just would have to argue in some sense that... Um, as people get more educated around it, I think the pay to play thing becomes more apparent. And I think this year was a sh- again, a shining example of that. Now boarding cigar aficionado from poor to rich, please present your boarding passes now seating group one. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Any other opinions, Chris, about cigar publications and what we hate about them? I just hate them. <laughs> what do you what do you hate about us? What do I hate about us? Yeah. Um that's good. I like thinking introspectively. Um I um I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so bad. Uh did you want to see something crazy? I don't know. You probably can't see him. Oh, it'd be hard to see him. What is that teeth? Carlisle's teeth. Ugh. Yeah, I, I pulled this one's a big one. I pulled I pulled this one out of his face earlier. He was upside Ugh. down and he was like bleeding on my carpet, chewing a bone. I was like, oh, there's a loose tooth under there. So I just rolled him over on his back and opened his mouth and just pulled it out. And then he was like, Ugh. he kept doing this because like blood is like literally like dripping out of his mouth. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that thing is. You know what I hate about us? Gnarly. I hate that we can't do this more than we're already doing. I would agree with that. It's like a it's like a weird handicap. It's like a crippling thing. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. That's kind of like one of those interview questions or people ask, you, "What's your what's your biggest weakness?" And your and your weakness Ourselves. is not really a weakness at all. <laughs> like, like it's just like, "Oh, sometimes I'm too loyal." What's the one, <laughs> like, wait what's a the second. one thing holding you back? Myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do I do agree with that though. You know, there is there is something to that because you know, I always look at it and I'm like, well, if I could dedicate all my time to this, I would, you know, if it made sense because I really enjoy doing it and especially love putting out reviews and it's like I would put out one a day if I could. You yeah. know, if I could if I could just level to that frequency, it would be amazing. We'd have so much content out there. We could really put a lot of meaningful stuff in front of consumer base. Um that's just impossible. So but I do yeah. agree with you, you know, introspectively that that's probably, I, I think that's probably what I would say as well that I hate about us. Yeah. We're not doing say, enough. Say what I said to you. Cause it'll make me feel better about saying such a mean comment. Cause I was like, I hate you. 
uh, say it back. Nah, I don't hate you though. I know I don't. Now hate you, you drive me fucking nuts, but yeah, I, I don't hate you. I know my balls are my my poor balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have some questions for you, and we've got five minutes. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to do as just a segment of the podcast because you have been absent. Thinking. You've been very absent from the cigar community in terms of social media for quite yeah. some time. So I thought it would be nice for people to get a better understanding of who Chris is internally, right? For the for <laughs> our audience to just understand you better because they don't get to see you as much as they get to see me. That's true. Um okay. Shoot. Let me do this question. Chris, would you travel to space if possible? Uh, yeah, I've already looked into the pricing. Did you see that uh, Elon Musk has that like his whole like uh, space fleet that he's testing to go to Mars? It's fucking crazy for colonization. I've already wild. I've looked into I would love to do it. No one wants to go with me but me. Uh, I would do it. OK, you come with. Oh, I'd it's for like, sure. Do it. If I had the money, I'd hell yeah. I'm it's out. like a million too. Yeah, I could swing that. um have you ever been stood up for a date um no nice uh i did i did stand someone else up though that i know (laughs) um do you like ice in your drinks no i think it waters it down and it takes up too much space yeah that's weird lauren doesn't like ice either i love ice i love ice in certain drinks but not like bourbon alcohol i don't like ice at all but if it's um if it's uh, if it's like a, you know, an ice water or some sort of like cola, I like yeah. ice. Um, what are three things that you think of most each day? Sex. Um, I think about my kids, mm. and I'm constantly in fear of my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're doing this. We get to really know the you. Um, what's your favorite name for a girl child? A girl child? A girl child. Sutton. Of course. I knew that was coming. Uh, do you feel that you're a good judge of character? I would like to think so. Yes. You think so? Yeah. Um, this is, I'll tell you what, that comes with years of experience of not picking the best candidates. Hmm. Good point. It's so it's uh, by experience. It's alone. learned. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. It's not intuitive. It's not intuitive. It's right. Learned. It's just you've been tri- trial by fire. Yeah. Pretty um, much. Let's end on this one. What was your worst date ever? My worst date ever? Yeah. Is it the girl uh, with the freaky fucking stuffed animals? And when I say stuffed animals, I don't mean stuffed animals that you get in the carnival. I mean literally real animals that she stuffed and put into jars. Was that the craziest one? No. No, that wasn't. Uh, it was when I met a girl in Columbus and I didn't realize how heavy she was and it was a huge turnoff. And I also had never heard her voice before and that was also a huge turnoff. The whole time she was so giddy about me and she bought this bottle of wine for us to enjoy. No, wait, I bought the bottle of wine, but then I regretted buying the bottle of wine. But she's sitting there on her bed in college town in Columbus and we're sitting there and I'm trying to be so PG because I have no interest in her whatsoever. But I decided to hang out just a little bit just to be friendly. And the whole time she's on me trying to like lure me to have sex with her and I was not having it. And then it left with an, an, a really awkward hug and I was out of there. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. But maybe. I think I know. Is this the one that you went bowling with? Nope. Oh, this is another person? 
this was another person probably like 10 plus years ago. Oh, so this happened a while ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh shit. Um, this was like, like during Stephanie breakup number, I don't know, bajillion. Oh, I did not know this. I don't think yeah, I remember yeah. this. Oh, crazy. Um, well, let's say we got one more minute. So let's <laughs> do one more question. What's a good way to grab your attention? Um, good way to grab my attention. Um, uh, be, uh, be a little crazy. Mm. So like stuff, animal girl. <laughs> sure. <laughs> taxidermy girl. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Taxidermy. That's what it's called. The fucking yeah. freaky girl that like dressed up rabbits and like hats and canes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Fucking psycho. I remember at that point you're like, she's pretty cool. And like, yeah. we were all looking at you like, dude, she's a serial. That's the next step to serial killing. That's like the previous, that's the post step to people killing humans <laughs> is when they kill and fucking stuff animals and make them do things with like a cane and a top hat. That's true. God, you're like, she's really cool, man. She's just like, you know, she's kind of out there and she's real weird. And you're telling us this. And I was like, uh, dude, like, first of all, she's be careful. Bad. Be careful. Do you remember that waitress that we talked to? Yeah, she's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with no. We're like, yeah, I know. We needed another opinion because we're all saying Chris is pretty fucked up. The, the worst thing about her is I don't think she was being truthfully honest with me. And she had a lot of baggage that was self-inflicted. Oh, don't they all? Um, don't they all? No, I, I hear you. Um, yeah. All right. Let's uh, thank you for giving the audience some insight into who you are. We'll continue these questions because I have over 3,000 of them. Oh, so okay. we can do this for a significant period of time. Get to know the ho- get to know the co-host. Yeah. I mean, again, you're you're pretty uh, you're pretty you're you're missing from social media. So it's the only way people get to know you. Um, that being said, let's wrap up the episode. Um, first of all, <coughs> please uh, go check out our show sponsor, MyCigarPack.com at www.MyCigarPack.com. I just opened the February pack yesterday and I'm actually going to go smoke one of the cigars. Dude, it is the best. Listen to this. It had the Tatuaje Avion in it. It had the Crown Heads La Creme. It had the Placencia Amafuerte. Uh, and I forget the other two. So there's another two cigars in there. Dude, it was like, oh, the Rodriguez Premier Classe. Oh, and there was shit, one more. Good. Dude, it was one of the best packs yeah, yeah. ever had. So the Factory Direct is in there as well. So check them out, www.mycigarpack.com. Enter promo code HOT10 at checkout for $10 off your first pack. You can also check out our website. Just post another review of the Liga Pravada T52 by Drew Estate this week. One of my favesies. You can go check that out at www.hotticketweekly.com. All right. Oh, you left out one more pro- promotional night. When you enter hot 10 at checkout for mycigarpack.com, you actually get some hot photos of yours truly in that same pack. Yeah. Photos. We, we call it the dick pack. Yep. Yep. Dude, wouldn't that be funny? We should that do that. Oh my God, that'd be hilarious if we just did some stickers, like some provocative <laughs> stickers. <laughs> Dude, that'd be hilarious. Put it on your windshield. <laughs> God, that would be fucking great. Oh, that would actually be really funny. I like that idea. Um, all right, let's uh, let's end it. Um, thanks everybody for listening. This will conclude episode one eighty six. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back at you next week with episode one eighty seven. See everyone. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Let me tell you how you can get a hold of us. You can get a hold of myself 
at the Hot Ticket Pod on Instagram. You can get a hold of Chris at Hot Ticket Chris on Instagram as well. You can find this podcast. It is available all over the place. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. And you can find the podcast available on video on YouTube. Look up the Hot Ticket Weekly on YouTube, and you can watch all the fun happen before your eyes. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you could. And check out our show sponsor, My Cigar Pack, at www.mycigarpack.com. Again, thanks for listening. We'll be back at you next week.